You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, a couple announcements before we get to our text today. Um, just really two things. One is uh, same things week by week. Uh, thank you again for those that are sending in your giving and you're able to do that by mail, uh, by check, whatever. Thank you. Really appreciate Again, you doing that, taking the time to do that. So thank you. If you are still desiring to do that, send in uh, your offering to us. We don't have any online options, but just easy. Put a stamp on it, find a stamp somewhere, put it in the mail. Either to Brandon, you can find his address in the directory, or here, P.O. Box 428 in Leroy. You can send it our way as well. Um, And also this week, we're still doing the Zoom meetings, uh, the Tuesday tea time with Hannah, three o'clock. If you can make it, ladies, that's a great time to be together, um, to hear from one another, to see one another. I know it's not the same, but it's good. If you can join us on Wednesday nights, we're still going through the book Coronavirus and Christ by John Piper, listening to it together, uh, sharing a little bit, and then praying together. And if you're not up for praying, but you just like to join and just see people, please join us. Um, there's also some phone numbers you can call in if, if a computer's hard for you. I mean, obviously, maybe you're watching on Facebook now, so you've got a computer of some device or YouTube, but uh, if that's harder, there is a phone number that you can call in to be part of that meeting as well. Just give me a text or email me for that. I think that's most of the announcements. We prayed for those prayer requests that you saw sent out, so remember them in prayer and... Uh, Let's go to God's Word this morning. Let's, let's see what He's got to say to us. So find a Bible around, Philippians chapter 2. We're there. We're making our way through Philippians chapter 2, kind of nearing the end, although we're, we're still a bit of ways, ways away. As you're going to Philippians 2, we're going to be in verse 14. I'm going to see if George will hold up the picture. Now, He's going to hold it up. The picture is down below on your Facebook feed. I did get it up there yesterday. How's that working, George? Um, I'll even try to pronounce it. Hupe Kusate. Uh, Malachi sent this in, this, this idea of hearing and obeying. Remember last week we were on obey as you've always obeyed, so now uh, work out your uh, salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you. So Malachi, I got a text. Hey, what was that Greek word? And here he made it into an image. I think that's just awesome. So thank you for doing that. So good. Well, Philippians 2, 14 through 18, uh, we're going to break this up in two sections, but I'm going to read to you the entire paragraph this morning. Uh, we'll pray again, and then we'll get, we'll get into to understanding this text. So let's first this morning hear from God's word, verse 14, Philippians 2. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Would you pray again with me before we get into this? Lord, again, we just ask right now as we open up your word, we've sung about you, praised you, 
sought you, Lord, for different needs. Lord, right now, I'm praying that your spirit would work in this time that we have together to study your word. Lord, would, would you bring clarity in what I'm about to, to say? Would your truths of your word rise above anything that, that I've put on a, on a piece of paper? Lord, I pray your sheep that are watching this would be fed by your spirit today. Lord, you use weak men such as I, and yet, Lord, as instruments, so we pray that you just guide my words, guide our time together to be sweet in your presence. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I sent out an, an email to those in the church, and if you're joining us, you're not part of Bethany, uh, and maybe you live in the Leroy area, and you're wa- you've been watching us, and we would invite you when we gather together which is hopefully soon, but we trust the Lord for that. Uh, welcome, uh, and we'd welcome you here once that happens as well. But for those that are, I know there's some out of state watching, and welcome to you as well. But I sent out an email to the church body this week asking you this question, what, what's your grumble meter been like lately, been like in these days, your grumble meter? Perhaps your meter is at a, in terms of grumbling, maybe it's at a one, which I, w- I would say that's a, that's a good thing. All is well. You're just, you're content. Life's okay. You're at peace. We're going forward. It's okay. Or maybe you're at at a 10 and you're just ready to let the world know, either through Facebook or some other means, you are not a happy camper. And it's time and all is not well. And there's much you disagree with about what's happening and what you're seeing around you. And I know there's, there's extremes and all that. And I imagine many of us were somewhere in between, perhaps even depending on the hour, we fluctuate between a 1 Okay, God's on the throne and a 10. What is going on? When is this going to end? And in between. And maybe it depends on how much you're watching the news or caught up on social media, those sorts of things. And so here we are. I mean, we're in week, I believe it's now number seven of online church. And here's the section we're in in Philippians. And the call here is to do all things without grumbling or questioning. This is what I, I love about expository, our preaching here, verse by verse is what we do. God providentially leads us to these passages that we need week by week. Um, this is not something, sometimes we pick different things, topical, sometimes we'll do that. Most of the time we're just going through the scriptures and here this week, this is where we're at. So for the next 30 minutes or so, we won't be bound just by 30, but I invite you Come with me to these few verses. Glean what God would say to us for today in his holy word. And I'd encourage you, as in, in my own, and in my own heart as well, don't let the thought creep in as we go through this. Man, I wish so-and-so was tuned in. I'm going to share this link with them so they can listen to this passage. Or, I, you know, that, that idea. I want, we really don't have the control of others, do we? God's in control, we can pray for his work in their lives, but, but each one of us is accountable before the Lord for our own actions. And so what would God have you do, you personally do, in light of reading his word, and particularly this section of Philippians today? So let's get into his word. Verse 14, again, I'll just read it. Pretty straightforward. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. It's clear, isn't it? Not one of those like, 
I mean, maybe the, the, the questioning, what does that mean? But it's, it's relatively clear to us. And it's also clear, what, what things are you not supposed to grumble about? Well, Paul says, all things. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Everything. Paul says it, maybe if you flipped it in a, maybe a positive way, Colossians 3.17, he says, excuse me, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you've got do all things without grumbling. You've got Colossians, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks. So in Colossians, it would seem thankfulness, gratefulness, is, is in, in some degree an opposite of the grumbling heart and spirit. All of life. One commentator, Walter Hansen, I'll quote him, I think, a couple times today, but he helps when he points out that this grumbling is in all dimensions of life. Here's what he said. All, and, and he says, all dimensions of life are to be affected by this salvation. This, this working out of your salvation that we looked at last week is in, to be in all of our life. He says, any attempt to divide the activities of life into spiritual and sacred categories is negated by this view that everything in life should be transformed by salvation. This is not, don't just grumble on a Sunday morning. You remember those Sunday mornings, driving to church, those sorts of things. I know it's been a while, but don't just kind of put your best foot forward on a Sunday. But the call for obedience here is for your Monday, for your Tuesday, your Wednesday, whether it's your leisure time, your work time, whatever. All things are to be done without grumbling or questioning. So let's look at these words, these two words, grumbling, questioning, look at them separately. What do they mean? What's, what's Paul getting at? The Greek word here uh, has some varied senses for grumbling first. We'll look at that. Uh, maybe some synonyms, complaining. In case you're going, well, I don't grumble. Well, complaining, whispering, uh, to express discontent. Maybe we could say a displeasure in what is going on or happening. Thankfully, in the Bible, we don't have to go far to get an illustration for this. And maybe you're already thinking about who in the Bible, if you think of grumblers, what comes to mind when you think of grumbling? And and I think Israel uh, perhaps would come to mind. I want you to go to Numbers chapter 14. A couple times today, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. So if you'll head back to Numbers 14, probably verse 2 if if you land there. But Numbers 14, if you remember Israel... Um, you're going to remember that they had various grumblings. Coming out of the Exodus, coming out of the slavery in Egypt, God brought them out. They're going through the wilderness, and in Exodus 15, they grumble because they're thirsty. Exodus 16, it's hunger. Exodus 17, it's thirst again, and there's this grumbling. Why do we come out here to die, you know, of, I think it would say die of thirst or hunger, kind of this, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? But in Numbers 14, there's sort of a, a climax, and let me get there myself now that you're there. There it is. Numbers 14, there's sort of a climax of the grumbling that's going to affect the entire community. The spies return. We just studied Joshua last, last year. So the spies, remember, they've, that promised land. Well, they've, they've just returned from kind of scoping out the promised land. And Caleb and Joshua say, let's go. Let's do this. Let's go into the land. We can do this. But the rest of them are fearful of the enemies in the land. And we get this in Numbers 14, 2 through 4. They grumble. Listen to them. Well, verse 1, all the congregation raised a loud cry. The people wept that night. 
and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And for all this grumbling, I'm going to cut the story short, all this grumbling, all but really Joshua and Caleb would die in the wilderness. What was it about the grumbling here that made the punishment that this generation would not go into the promised land, what made it so severe? The answer is if you skip forward, I think, in the chapter to verse 34. Go to Numbers, still in chapter 14, verse 34, and God says this. I'll read 34 and 35. He says, according, I think this is kind of laying down the the consequence, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. The grumbling of the Israelites, and I would say any grumbling, is not some low-level complaint or just a minor issue, but in fact, what is it? What's the text say? It's against me, against the Lord, against the Lord. And I think maybe even in another way you could call it really disbelief in the Lord. Just in case you're wondering, this is not the place you or I, we want to be. Really, all complaining, grumbling, murmuring, discontentedness, what is it? It's ultimately against God himself. It's against his good plan and against his will. And grumbling lacks, if we're to have a fear and trembling of God, as we're looking at Philippians, it really lacks a healthy fear of God. Grumbling says, we know better. It would be better if this was the case, etc., In essence, it's my will be done. This is the best thing. I can figure this out. It would be better, fill in the blank, rather than, Lord, thy will be done. Lord, have your way. You have said it. I trust you. We can head back to Philippians then. Let's go back to the the next word. It's grumbling. What's the other word here? Questioning. And and this word is not so clear-cut, and there seems to be two ways to look at the word back in Philippians 2.14, grumbling or questioning, maybe two ways to look. Translators are mixed, depending on what version you're looking at this morning. ESV has questioning. Some translations say, uh, do all things without grumbling or disputing, or do all things without grumbling or arguing. The challenge is... Is this some kind of kind of an inner questioning, kind of a doubting of God, or is this more like a person-to-person disputing or, or arguing? Now, I lean towards more kind of this is in-the-mind idea, this doubting, kind of questioning God, kind of like the serpent again in the garden. You know, did God actually say, kind of a questioning of his, his actions? But I can appreciate also this could be questioning or disputing since Paul's writing to a church at Philippi. Maybe this is a questioning and disputing amongst one another. 
the word is literally kind of this idea of to speak through, kind of this through speech. And, and um, I didn't think of that as, isn't that kind of what we try to argue or dispute? We try to cut through the other's speech or their argument, or maybe God has spoken in that, in, in that realm, and, and we cut through it. We question it and say, did he really say? And we cut through that speech. So arguing, disputing, ultimately, maybe questioning God, it's also played out in our arguing with one another. Again, not with a heart set on God's will, but our own will. Which brings up, just before we move on, just one more question. And that question is, is there ever a place for an argument? Is there a place for a debate, critique, a questioning? I think I would answer yes, but not against God, not against his word or his will. His will is perfect. He's a God who is perfect in all that he does. But within our country, we're given the rights. We have rights to protest, to dissent, to argue for something better, um, to argue for a certain case. Jesus himself turned over tables in the temple area. I think the distinction here is whether your argument or dispute on the horizontal level. I mean, I I think it's pretty it's clear to not grumble against what God has said He's going to do. But horizontally, how do we do we argue this sort of thing? I think in some way we could look at this distinction as: Is it for the sake of Christ? Are you arguing? Are you like Colossians language, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, having a healthy fear of God, or just your own? self-interest, your own passions, as James would talk about that are at work. Do you have the mind of Christ in the disputing on the horizontal level or the mind of the flesh? What's at the heart of your passion on the particular issue you're arguing about? I think we, we can learn from Jesus. In one sense, Mark 14, he pleaded, he pleaded with God, take away the cup of wrath from me, would you, if it, Lord, with you, everything's possible. Would you take it away? And yet he declares, what does he declare? Yet not what I will. I think that's the key for us in this grumbling and questioning, not what I will, but what you will. So at its core to not grumble or question is to trust God's perfect plan, no matter what, no matter what. Well, the text goes on from here to verse 15 to show the results. What are the results of a, of a not grumbling person, a not questioning, disputing type person? And then verse 16 really the means, the, the how of it. So results first. What does it look like? What are some of the results of someone that doesn't grumble? And then, and then you have some help for how. How do we not grumble? So verse 15 uh, first. Look at verse 15 again. That you may, and that that helps us, that you may be, kind of purpose, result, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What's Paul saying here? Children of God. I think God's children, the children of God, they ought to look like their father. Or to borrow from 1 Peter 1.15, be holy. Peter says, you've been ransomed. You've been brought back with the precious blood of Christ. Your blamelessness, innocence, it's not earning your salvation. It's the fruit of it. Again, Walter Hansen says here, Paul's not describing the way to become the children of God. 
He's urging the children of God to express the reality of who they are in the life and conversation of their Christian community. So look like the reality of who you are in Christ. And this reality is going to shine even brighter in a generation, a world that is crooked and twisted. Twisted generation. Hear the word, word uh, crooked. It's, it's uh, scolios. It's kind of like our scoli- I think of scoliosis, that, that, right? The bent kind of back and uh, not straight. And so if God is holy and his ways are right and straight, then the generation Paul describes here, a crooked and twisted, is all bent out of God's shape and God's will. It's crooked. And, and even here, I believe, as, as others uh, have seen this, Paul's making a comparison to Deuteronomy 32. This is our second place. So if you go to Deuteronomy 32, past Numbers, Deuteronomy 32. If you found Numbers, you're close. And uh, keep going. Deuteronomy 32, and we're going to look at verses 4 and 5 here. This is a, it's titled, The Song of the song of Moses, God says this song is going to serve as a witness. Now, this is right before, again, Israel goes into the promised land, kind of some of Moses' last sermons to the people. It's going to serve, God says, as a witness for me, that is the Lord, against the people of Israel. So this is is a song of witness against the people of Israel, an interesting song. But it's a witness to what God would do to a generation that strayed apart from him. Look at verses 4 and 5. The rock. Who's that? That's the Lord. The rock, his work is perfect. In all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you hear the language Paul's using in Philippians, coming back even here to Deuteronomy, this crooked and twisted generation? And here, who is the crooked and twisted generation? It's Israel. It's his his people. They departed from him. It's not the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, any other ites. It's Israel. And though God was their father, they have sought other gods. It says later, God cared for them, but they grew fat and forsook God and scoffed at him. Look at verse 18. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you. There's that mind, maybe the questioning part again, the grumbling. You're unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. So, the crooked, twisted generation Paul refers to back in Philippians 2.15, and you can head back there if you'd like. It's not, it's not just those outside the church, but I propose even those within. As Paul, he warns the elders in Acts 20.30. He says that from among your own selves will, uh, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So whether it's within the church or without, true believers are to live in a way that will set them apart from this crooked generation to shine like stars. That's how Paul 
uh, says it, whom you shine as lights in the world. Shining as lights. You could, I think, stars in the world. Jesus says this, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, perhaps other familiar words. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Stars are rarely seen, though I wouldn't say never, right, during the daylight. They're, they're much harder to see, and maybe a strong telescope can see them. But when it gets really dark and you're beyond the city lights, and some of you live in the country and you enjoy this more than others, a really, really dark sky, that star, the stars shine bright, and they're beautiful. So you who refrain from grumbling about God's plans, his will, from, to refrain from disputing or questioning, your life is going to shine like that to a crook, crooked and twisted generation. Because the world is filled with grumblers and those who question. And to make it even personal, we in the church, we face the same temptation to look just like the world. It's too hot today. It's too cold. We were just talking about this last night as a family. What does does it mean to grumble and think about the weather? It's, I don't like this. It's raining. It's dry. All these sorts of things. Or if only this. I don't like this. I don't like that. It was better when. The good old days, maybe we sometimes say. And when we grumble like the world, we look just like them. And we do not bring God glory and honor. So how do we stop? Where do we go when we're tempted to just go? Nothing's right. Look at the first part of verse 16. Just the first part. It's kind of just a, a phrase here. Holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. The means of our contentment and refrain from grumbling is to hold fast to the word of life. And I think it's at this part of this paragraph that this is sort of a central section to this text right here. Verses 14 through 15, leading up to this, holding fast to the word of life. And then I think uh, verses, the rest of 16, 17, 18, then kind of looking back towards it. We're going to look at those more next week. But what is this word of life we're to hold fast to that Paul calls, you know, refrain from grumbling, be star, shine as lights, holding fast to the word of life. What is this word of life? What are we supposed to hold fast to? And many commentators see this as shorthand for the gospel, the word of life. But, and and I agree. I I just think there's, I think there's more even specifically a reference to Christ himself here. I mean, first John one, one through two, I'll read it to you. Says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. What, who is he talking about? Jesus. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Jesus is both the word, the logos, and the life. Remember Peter's, it's a beautiful answer. John 6, Jesus is asking his disciples, do you guys... You too want to turn back? People were, were leaving. They were no longer walking. 
uh, turning back from Christ. You guys too, do you want to turn back? you want to go away? Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To defeat grumbling, we let go of our hold on this world and we hold fast to the Lord of this world. I want to mention kind of two aspects. There's two ways to look at this holding fast here, this language that Paul's using here. Some see it as a refrain from grumbling and questioning uh, those who hold fast to the gospel and trust the exalted Christ. That's, that's where I lean. But some also see uh, that to refrain from grumbling or questioning is to hold forth. So, so there's an idea of holding fast to Christ. That's how we kind of keep from grumbling and we shine. But there's also a, maybe an idea of holding forth the word of life to others kind of a, a proclamation. You hold forth to the world a beautiful picture of the gospel, a shining in the darkness when we don't grumble or question or complain. Now, one commentator, Ralph Martin, just puts these together, and I appreciate this. He says, the two meanings of the verb happily dovetail. Only as we firmly hold fast to the gospel truth can we effectively hold it out And then in this, I would just add, as we hold fast to Christ, he says gospel truth to Christ. I mean, the same thing, but then we hold him out. We shine Christ to the world. We defeat the grumbling, the murmuring, the complaining once again as we fix our eyes on the prize. If we lose sight of Christ, we lose sight of what, who, we are to truly live for. Remember, Paul, for to me to live is Christ. That's that's where I'm looking. We in Christ, we are new creations. This world, and at the moment, a world dealing in a million different ways with a million issues surrounding this virus. This world is not our home. We're citizens, not, yes, American Uh, the United States, but that's not our primary citizenship. It's in heaven. We're in Christ. So should suffering come upon us in a greater measure or poverty or sickness or even death? For those in Christ, the things of this world are not our hope. He is. So why grumble? Our hope's not in this. And there's pain and there's suffering. Our hope is in our Lord. We can trust our God to hold fast to this word of life, not looking to to this horizontal life. Man, this is all there is. And if this goes south, I'm going to grumble. I'm going to complain about it. (laughs) We go nowhere in Christ. We have a new life in him. He's our life, not this world. Well, as we close, I'm reminded again, and I want to go back to that the, the, the context of Paul and Silas give you just two strategies here maybe for, for defeating grumbling and this holding fast idea. Remember they visited Philippi and I think they had a strategy for dealing with a hard situation, um, probably a situation ripe for grumbling. Paul and Silas, they had been thrown in prison, not because they were uh, in sin or in guilt, but because they were doing the very work of God. They were ministering 
the gospel, preaching the gospel. And it landed them in a, in a sort of isolation, if you will, in a prison. And there they are. And you remember reading that at midnight? It's Acts 16.25. They're doing two things. You remember at midnight what Paul and Silas were doing in the midst of their prison experience? They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Can I encourage you just in a very practical way as we close this out, that when tempted to grumble and complain and murmur or dispute, whatever, is to think of the letters P-S. Kind of like at the end of a, end of a letter, we would write P-S. And those letters stand for pray and sing. Pray and sing. Number one, pray to Jesus. Seek him. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm grumbling. Would you grant me a different spirit? Ask him to help you to find ways to be thankful and grateful. Ask him to help you trust. Lord, I want to trust you. Your will be done in all this. Even if it doesn't look like what I want it to look like, your will be done, not mine. To pray about that and to seek Jesus. And then also what we just did before this video began, if you're joining us late, we sang a couple hymns to begin with today. And I would encourage you to sing hymns to God. And that has nothing to do with whether you can sing or not. Sing in worship, in praise. What defeats grumbling? I <laughs> think prayer and praise, prayer and singing. Sing worship, praise, and let the worship of God free you from the bondage of complaint and grumbling as you look to him. As you acknowledge in song, Lord, you're Lord of all. We sang it this morning. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. You said it, Lord. Your will be done. Pray and sing. Well, for this week, we stop at verse 16, 16a, if we'll label it and get to the rest later. Next week, we're going to continue. As I think the text from here highlights three people. First, Paul, and then we're going to look at Timothy in the, in the following week, and then Epaphroditus looks at these people. But next week, we'll look at Paul and his labor among the people. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, I'm praying now, and we need your spirit to work amongst us and in us, Lord, that we would not be known to the world that looks at us believers as a bunch of grumblers and complainers and and malcontents. We're not content with, with life. Oh, Father, we want to be content in Christ. And Lord, where there are right areas in this current world that you've given us a means to dispute, to question. Help us to use those means in a godly way, to defend the poor, to seek justice, those sorts of things. But Lord, where we're simply just saying, you know, your will is here and I just don't like it. I don't agree with what you're doing. I don't agree with this day that you've made. Lord, bring us to a godly grief in that, a godly repentance that we would say, we trust you. Thy will be done. And Lord, in that, may we shine by your grace and power, shine as lights in this world. I pray in your name, amen.
You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.